it's the story of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the story of, are you, how free do you want to be? Uh, all that harbor of how I, the perspective, you know, it's the perspective, how I might see myself, how I see them. You know, it's a 180 from the way when I first, when I was 21 years old and sworn in and today at 63 on a look back, it's been just this incredible journey. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Booyah! That was the voice of our friend, Mr. Cliff G. On this here episode number 315 of Sober Speak. And you are going to hear so much more from Cliff in just a moment, but first things first, and I wanted to say before I even get to first things first, so I guess this would be first things first before the first things second. Nonetheless, um, booyah is something that a sports center analyst, commentator, whatever you want to call him, Mr. Stuart Scott used to say all the time, and uh, that came to me before I started uh, recording today, and I just wanted to give a little a tip of the hat to Stuart. Uh, he, unfortunately, is no longer with us, but um, anyway, booyah. Greetings from Studio AA, deep in the heart of Texas. This here episode is brought to you by Brad. And Idaliza, what you may ask, did Brad and Idaliza do to um, afford such a mention at the beginning of this here episode? Well, they went to our humble little website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. So wherever you are, uh, whatever you are doing, I am ecstatic that you have joined us here. Uh, I was going to say today, tonight, uh, whatever it is, midday for you, whenever you're listening, but uh, I am ecstatic you have joined. In fact, when I say that word ecstatic, it makes me think of uh, uh, my friend, Ken D, who has been featured on the podcast in the past, and he <laughs> heard him say once, um, he said he would see bumper stickers that says, God loves you. So he would say to the person, you know, God loves you, but 
he is ecstatic about me. <laughs> Makes me think of when he used to say that. Nonetheless, um, okay, so I wanted to start it here today. Well, let me just tell you, I'm just going to go down a kind of a weird little road here. Uh, after I finish recording this, I am going to um, do a couple things. Number one, I'm going to go to, over to a, a dear friend's uh, house. Uh, uh, his wife is uh, celebrating her birthday, and I'm going to go over there, spend a little bit of time with them, and disrespect uh, them basically by showing up and uh, uh, being there for her and for him. And then after that, there are some guys here in the group where I attend, the AA group where I attend, uh, who have one guy in particular who's putting it on. His name is Ron, and he has convinced me to pop by and play some poker. All he says is bring a lot of money. <laughs> now... <laughs> I don't really know how to play poker. It has been, okay, so the last time I played poker, let me put it this way, things were melting on the wall around me and I was not in a sober state whatsoever and I had been drinking heavily. So, I mean, I know the basic setup with poker, but I, you know, I think they're just, I think they want to get me over there just to take my money. I think that's what this is all about, but nonetheless, we shall see. But anyway, I'm going to go to that after uh, I go to the uh, party. My son actually wanted to go get a little dinner tonight, uh, but I, I had to tell him, uh, you know, I've, I've already got plans tonight, but we'll, we'll go out tomorrow night, but nonetheless. All right, so here is something that I recently received from Bill C., in his uh, daily email that he sends out. Now, it's been a while since I mentioned this, but Bill C., he's been on the the uh, uh, he's been on the podcast many, many times. You can go back and search for him if you'd like, but he sends out a, a daily email. And it's kind of a, a eclectic collect collection of there's the AA stuff in there, but there's other stuff in there. And, and I really like it. And if you're not subscribed to it, all you got to do is uh, email him at Bill C, B I L L C is in Charlie, at kitchentableaa.com. And if you can't remember any of that, just, just write me at uh, John, J O H N, at soberspeak.com, and, and I'll just forward it on to Bill and he'll get you on the list. But uh, it is uh, uh, free to anybody who wants to be on the list. But nonetheless, I, I got this. Uh, recently from him. And it says, uh, it was called For Today. And it says, he, oh, I'm sorry. And this is quoting from page 61 of, of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And this was something I needed to hear. And maybe it's something somebody else can hear as well and benefit from it. It says, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well. Let me read it again. Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages 
well. And that's from Alcoholics Anonymous, page 61. And in the same email, gosh, I'm probably going to uh, butcher this name, but it is a quote from somebody named Brom Roos. It says, uh, I am in the action business. God is in the results business. When I am trying to control results, I am playing God by trying to do his job. Oh man, I just had to take a deep breath when reading that because uh, that rings so true in my life and what I've been trying to do recently and uh, maybe somebody out there uh, besides myself can relate to that. Now, on to our featured speaker of the week, a friend of the program, Mr. Cliff G. He is from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and this is Steps 8 and 9 of Alcoholics Anonymous, and the title is, How Free Do You Want to Be? How Free Do You Want to Be? This is a touching episode with Cliff. And if you listen to this one all the way through, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. We touch, we, we touch on many subjects. One of them is uh, how God meets us in the here and now. Steps eight and nine are, and he says, steps eight and nine are the jet fuel that rockets us into the fourth dimension and it helps get us back in the stream of life. Cliff talks about his amends with his parents, federal judges, and much more. This one is a classic. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. And keep in mind that we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of Cliff's episode. Enjoy Cliff, and um, that's it. Enjoy Cliff, and we'll talk to you a little bit more on the back end. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. So today we're sitting here again with a return guest, uh, the one and only Mr. Cliff with one F, uh, Cliff G. And we've had his uh, wife on in the past before, but Cliff, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live within this great land of ours, please. Hey, it's good to be back. Cliff G, Grateful Alcoholic, sober since August 15th, 2001, from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Now, last time I spoke with you, Cliff, you were in the South, uh, South, Dakota. Uh, South Dakota, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we did it from there last time. Yeah, and we were. You had- you had been out on a bike ride that Th- morning. That's exactly right. You're exactly right. I have. I, we were in South Dakota. Lori was in uh, Florida, Florida at a women's co- conference, and uh, I was waiting on friends to get there from Oklahoma. You're exactly right. I had forgotten that, but you're spot on. Yeah. So, and just as a reminder to folks, the reason you were in South Dakota—that's your kind of getaway home. That's I right? my getaway house. Yeah. Lori and I have a house up there that we bought a couple years ago at the top of the Black Hills National Forest in a little town called Spearfish. Wow. We love it there. Yeah, I've heard, uh, and I think I probably mentioned this last time, but I've been to every, <clears throat> within the continental United States, I've been to every state except for South Dakota and Montana, and uh, hopefully I'll come up there and meet you guys yeah. one day, and uh, we'll have Get a up there. good time. Get up there. We'll, we'll heard- make sure we'll have a place for you. I have. I've heard great things about the Black Hills. It's, it's supposed beautiful. to be a beautiful area. It's that, that Spearfish Canyon, one of the most spiritual places on earth. It's just beautiful. 
And so how did you, what's the background on that? How did you end up selecting a place in South Dakota? Well, most of this goes to Lori's great research, but uh, she and I did a conference up there uh, six, seven years ago. And uh, we just, she just got to looking for places and uh, spearfish kept popping on the things she would put in for, you know, search terms. It kept popping up. And so we knew some folks up there. So we just thought, let's just go look. And, you know, it just kind of worked out. About the, and did you buy before the pandemic or after the pandemic or during? 2021, right at the kind of the, well, who knows when the pandemic, so in the middle, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> right, I understand. <laughs> who knows when it was over, but uh, in May of 21, we closed yeah, my, like uh, Memorial Weekend, that week Memorial Weekend. So. Um, my guess is the market got hot up there around that time because people were all looking for getaways. You're just sitting at home thinking, what can I do now? So <laughs> anyway... We, Lori and I love it up there, and and uh, it's been great. The best part about it is being able to share it with our friends. That's Seriously, yeah. we've had a bunch of folks come and stay, and you'll be up there one of these days whenever you're ready. Look forward to it. Okay, yeah, man. Okay, so we've talked about a couple of the first time we kind of talked about your story. The second time we were, I talked about several different subjects and really yeah. had a, a a good time uh, talking with you. It was kind of after your bike ride, you got some, yeah. you know, kind of like some spiritual guidance there. Yeah. Today, I think we're going to start at least, and I'm, I've been through this with many guests in the past. I already, you know, I always have a thought of where I want to go, you know, we always get, <laughs> and then. Uh, you know, the conversation is organic and we go off on some sort of rabbit chase or right. rabbit. What is that called? Rabbit hole or down a like rabbit that? hole. Right? Yes. Down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's, you know, I think uh, it'd be good to talk today about the amends process, possibly steps eight and nine. So, Let's go ahead and start with step eight, you know, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And if you need to back up yeah. or forward or whatever you want to do, or we're fine, right? We're friends here. We're just, having yeah, yeah, yeah. we're just so, going to check it out. We're just going to yeah. roll with it. Let's just see. As you know, we say a little prayer before we begin Amen. and then kind of, you know, turn on the mic and see where it goes. Well, you know, it's like uh, it's like giving a talk. It's the talk you think you're going to give, the talk you give, and then the talk you give in your head afterwards about all things you should have said. So it's probably going to be like that today. We'll just meander through and see where we end up. So the good you know, part about this is we have no preparation. It's just here we go. We're that's launching. it. We crank We're it just, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, that reminds me though, I've been watching and I don't watch a lot of TV, but my son had heard of this uh, Netflix series called Quarterbacks and he knows I'm a big football fan. Uh, and in Quarterbacks, they're interviewing people like, uh, uh, let me see, I think it was Marcus Mariota. It was uh, Kurt, uh, uh, oh God, Kurt, the uh, Kirk Cousins and then Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I'm bringing all this up is because when they would interview these guys or talk to them after the games were over, right? They would all go over the plays they had missed. Uh, even though, you know, they, they completed the vast majority of their, of their, passes that they would they would think about the ones that they missed almost every time and so that made me think of when you were saying that you know you have the talk that you give and then you have the talk that you give afterwards well, you know you're always thinking about wow why didn't i say this or why didn't one, i say that 
the one in the shower is always the better one before you leave. It's the one you wish. If you could just record the one in the shower and play it, it would be phenomenal. It's always the best one. All right, so let's go. Let's go with uh, step A. We'll talk about yeah. amends here today. Uh, obviously, people can always use help with the amends process. Uh, as it talks about a lot of meetings. So let's start with that. Step A uh, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make some amends to them all. So when you think about that uh, from a couple different ways, number one, what was it like? for you going through not only the first time and maybe even subsequent years after that. And also when you're talking to other guys and you see them run up against obstacles in this area, what kind of uh, words of wisdom for lack of a better word, do you phrase, do you, do you share with them? Sure. 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 So, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in this when Bill Wilson wrote about being rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence. I believe the amends process was the jet fuel that rockets that. I mean, because it gives it gives me the ability to live in the one place I've never been able to live right here, right now. And 10, 11, 12 helped me to stay there, but it, it, it gets me there for the first time because, you know, before ever coming to AA, before ever doing any steps, what happens is I leave – I leave somewhere and I look around corners because I need to see who I'm going to see. I need to be sure the path is clear. And I can't tell you what color your eyes are, but I can tell you what kind of shoes you wear because I can't look up. (laughs) I can't look forward. So I remember completing that four step, doing five, and then going uh, going over that list making that list in step eight with uh, my sponsor. And I had a whole bunch of people on that ex-girlfriends that I just knew needed to hear from me. They absolutely (laughs) were probably, I just felt so sure that I needed to get right with them. And of course, Don, my sponsor, just struck those off and said, the best thing you can do with those people is just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Just be, and you know, I've had opportunities to, I'm kind of like, I believe you put a name on a list. You can make all the deals about, well, this is my, Right now, you know, do some softballs. Mom and grandma, they're always easy marks. I mean, generally, they give you what you want to get. And, you know, then there's a list that, well, maybe I'll get willing. And then there's the when hell freezes over list. But, you know, you can make whatever list you want. But I'm a believer in this. When you put the name on the list, God becomes in charge of the list. And uh, people start showing up in your life. And it don't matter where they are, God shuffles them around. And he moves them where he believes they ought to be. You know, I can have all the plans in the world, but God puts those people. And it's been my experience. You know, I had a guy that was on that list in the hell freezes over list. And he was one of the first people I made amends to because I ran into him, just mm-hmm. got in my way. And, and uh, <laughs> I had a I had a sponsoree that had a guy on his list and he was struggling with the God idea. He was struggling with the whole God thing. I mean, he was willing he was willing to he was willing to believe. And he had a guy on his list and he left my office one day and he hadn't seen that guy in 30 years and ran into him in the concourse underground in Oklahoma city. And he pulled him aside right then and made them in. And he called me and he said, God exists. God mm-hmm. exists. I, I can't explain it, but God exists. And so, you know, you can, you can make the list however you want to make it. But so I went with Don and we, we made this list and uh, I had, you know, I had institutions, people, family members. I had, cause I'm a lawyer. I had 
Uh, most of my practice was in the federal system. I had a lot of federal judges on my list to make. And, you know, they're no fun because they have U.S. Marshals sitting in their office and they get real nosy about when you call and say, I need to come. They, <laughs> they want to know why. I mean, the secretaries want to know why. They get really nosy about that. And so, you know, I just making that list, Don was just always real encouraging. I think one of the best things, I think, when you talk about what do you say to people is just be a cheerleader for them. I think that's what Don was for me when making that list and, you know, getting prepared to go do it. Don just became a big cheerleader for me. Talked to Benny about, well, just how free do you want to be? You know, how free do you really want to be in your life? And um, he talked to me about this whole rocketing into the fourth dimension. This was what would propel me to be able to exist in the one place I think alcoholics so much struggle to be the here and now, because I'm a real time traveler. I mean, my gosh, I need to be out in the future worried about what's going to happen. How's it all going to turn out? Or I love to go back to the past where I just be full of fear, regret, remorse, just mire myself in self-pity. And my gosh, those are the two places I would stay. And Don would tell me, he said, Cliff, you know, when you're back in the past, you're out there with all that junk or when you're in the future, he said, you just get afraid or you get full of regret. He said, that's because God's not there. He said, the only place God exists is in the right here, right now. And to get in the right here, right now, you got to move to that fourth dimension of existence and you got to make the list and you got to clean it up and you got to start making amends. And I, I believe this, that amends are kind of like, kind of like drinking to some degree. You start making them and you think, I, I need more of this. I need to get this. I need more and more of this. I always think about that Bill Murray movie, Scrooged, you know, yeah. when he's at the very end, you'll want this thing. You got to have it. And and that's, I think that's the way amends were for me. And I encourage people, you know, look, let's make a list, however you want to make it. And then the commitment is we're going to do one a week. Let's just start knocking them out. And guys start making that list, man. They start doing those amends. And then they say, okay, I made it today. I'm going tomorrow and do another one. Just, and I just encourage them, you know, yeah. because it, it, it can be, it's so freeing, man. It's just so freeing. Okay. So you get the list made. Um, and I, by the way, I, I do like that about being a cheerleader for somebody. And, and you also said that piece about being rocket fuel. I, I, I agree. It's like when people start, it, it, well, so a couple of things. Number one, you hear a lot of folks say that what knocks people out of Alcoholics Anonymous through the, in the 12 steps is the fourth and the fifth step. Um, I think that's true to some degree, but I, I think really it more happens when you get to the eighth and ninth step and you know, people just don't want to go out there and do that because that big fear in their head is, you know, what's going to happen? How am I going to be perceived the whole nine yards? So I like that when you said that the amends is the rocket fuel that I think you said it, it, that's what rockets us into the fourth dimension, something of that yeah, nature. Yeah. And so that is fantastic. Uh, so, okay. So you've made this list, right? You're looking at it. You have a conversation with your sponsor. And I know I've had a lot of conversations with guys that I sponsor and they say, well, you know, like, just like you, first of all, my sponsor said, knock her off the list, knock her. Out. She doesn't yeah. need to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, right. like she was using you just as much as you were using right. her, whatever right. the case may be. 
but then it came down to the list and um I've had a lot of conversation with guys that say, I don't think I need to do that. And we kind of have a little bit of a back and forth on that. I said, well, maybe just put them off to the side. Um, but once you talk about your experience, first of all, what it was like, what your experience, strength and hope was like going through that the first time and maybe subsequent years. And then also talk about what it's like when you are counseling other guys going through the process. <laughs> So, you know, like I said, I had this list that I made and, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I made the list and then, uh, I let Don be in charge of my list. I did not, uh, like what you talked about having a back and forth. I, I didn't do that with Don. I let him be in charge of the list. That's what I, I did. let, uh, I let Don and God be in charge of my list and I took clear cut direction from him. I mean, if he says, you know, I, I think you owe them. You do and owe them in here. I didn't argue with him. I didn't say, "Well, now wait a minute. Let me, let me, t- let me give you more facts." You know, I, I just, <laughs> I didn't do that. I, I didn't try to get him on my side. I, I listened to him and I took counsel because I was desperate. I didn't want to live that way anymore. And so, and you know, to be honest with you, I have not had that kind of pushback from guys because uh, it's that idea that man, I just don't. I need to be free of this. And when I set the stage for it, what like Don did for me was how free do you want to be? You know, uh, and, and, and we trust God. I mean, that's a real deal. We look at this idea and how good was step two and three, either God is everything or he's nothing. And have I really done that, turn my will and my life over to him? And I'm willing to submit and be uh, sponsored sponsored by someone else have i surrendered to the idea that my way is no good anyway so i can share my involvement my interactions why i believe i owe the men and then i left that up to don to make the final decision about yeah that is an amend you need to make or yeah you need to get all those girls off that list but that's not going to work and you know i'm sure Lori would have understood but anyway so i just let him be in charge and i think that's really important i mean my job is to make the list and then it's my sponsor and God's decision to help me work that out. It's yeah. not my, I don't, I, I didn't try to engage in any, you know, well, I really don't know about that. I just let them be decision anyway. And uh, like I said, the first guy I made amends to, I had him on the list. It was on the, when hell freezes over, it's one of my ex law partners. And, you know, I was just mad at him because he didn't do me right. Obviously forget about the fact that I didn't show up for work for like a year, but regardless of that, you know, other than that, I mean, I really was like, <laughs> I'm kind of like my sponsor, Bob says, you know, I had trouble going to work, staying at work and working work, working at work. But other than that, I was a good employee, <laughs> a, a good worker, but, 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 and I thought, you know, I'm just not ready to make amends to him. And I promise you, it was like a week I'm coming out of a courthouse and we run into each other. And, you know, I just had this moment of God's in charge. And I just said, hey, I need to talk to you. And I'll tell you this. There was a healing process that began in that relationship, uh, setting him down. And a few years later, his son reached out to me. I 12-step his son into, into Alcoholics Anonymous. I gave his the birthday talk for his son's 10-year birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I helped uh, when he was having some struggles. I was able to be of service to him. And, re- and he's been a guy that's... Uh, referred, continue to refer people to me that I can help. So, you know, the thing about it is, is I don't know. See, that just go, I, I don't know. When we talk about six and seven, good and bad, the reason that is because I can't differentiate true from false. Mm-hmm. That's why I need guidance, man. 
And because I listened to my sponsor and said, I'm putting him on the list, put him on the when hell freezes over list. That's why I'm a believer that you put him on the list. God becomes in charge of the list. Put him wherever you want. God's in charge of the list. But because of that, I begin to see the power working in that. And that very first one, I mean, like within a week, I got the juice. I started getting the rocket fuel and I thought, I got to have this. I'm Bill Murray suddenly. I got to have this. And it set me off on a path, man. And I just, it, it literally, it started to unshackle me from self. I mean, we know we go through the process of in two, deciding I need something bigger than me. Three, I go out of business because I see selfishness, self-centeredness. I write it all down and I, I get it in black and white that, my gosh, I really am the problem. I begin to see these things in six and sevens, you know, these defects and, and the willingness to move beyond them. And when I begin this amends process, I begin really unshackling myself from self and, and begin to make these steps toward the sunlight of the spirit. And I'm going to tell you, John, the biggest, the biggest deal for me was my mom and dad. And I think it probably is for a lot of, you know, family just love us. I mean, they just love us no matter what. And uh, my dad had tried to talk to me, but you know, I would go underground on them. They would call and leave messages on the old message machine, which they, everybody, you know, under 40 can Google that to figure out what that was. You know, that message machine that was set on my counter and uh, they would leave message on the tapes and uh, I just wouldn't call them back. And uh, I would sh go home and I wouldn't stay at their house. I'd just go get drunk all weekend when I'd be home. It was just, you know, and they and all they ever wanted was the best for me. But I promise you, I thought they were the enemy. Right. I, I believed them to be the enemy. And uh, I had uh, I, I, my mom and dad had a little store that I used to work at and they would have me work on Friday nights. Well, when I was in high school. It was always Friday night football and all my friends would be going to the game and all that. And I had to work. And then when I got up big enough to date, you know, when I had a car, so I had to work Friday and Saturday night. And so I just knew that they were screwing my life, that they were just punishing me for what I didn't know. And uh, they didn't pay me for working there. Now, they, I had a vehicle to drive, gave me gas money, bought me clothes, fed me, sheltered me. But they didn't pay me for working at that store, by God. And uh, so... One of my jobs was to count the money at the end of the day, on the, and so I paid myself. So you know how that goes. I just <laughs> I get a five here, a ten, a twenty there, whatever. Anyway, I'm about a year, year and a half in, and I haven't made amends to my mom and dad, and I'm afraid to. Haven't even been to see them since I've been somewhere. Don had started me calling them, just calling them, and uh, and I would call them once a week, and the conversations were pretty, you know, short doing better, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I had hung on to one kind of piece of business, that uh, little lawsuit that I had, and it settled. And it's like the only thing I had. And I got a little stack of money. And so my best idea was I was going to take Lori and the kids on a vacation. Of course, I was going to go too, you know. So, And I tell Don, hey, I got this, settle this case. I got this money. And I told him what I was going to do. And he just looked at me. He goes, you think that's a good idea? And I said, yes. I mean, you know, they deserve it as bad as I've been to them and as much as I've had them do without. And so I'm just selling him on the idea that uh, this is what I really need to do. And uh, like three days after that, 
I get a call from uh, a buddy of mine who is in a little town 15 miles uh, north of where my mom and dad lived and said, hey, we started a little AA meeting down here and uh, we'd like you to come be our first speaker. And then all of a sudden I knew what the money was for. And uh, I called my mom and dad and said, hey, I'm coming down and uh, I need to see you all. And I sat with Don and talked to him and came up with a plan of action. And, you know, again, I think God makes a safe path for us. Uh, You know, it talks about in our book about, you know, if we go with God and with good motives, we can go the most sordid places on earth. And my fear was I was going to see my mom and dad and run into all my old friends and I don't know how to say no. And, uh, you know, he just made this path for me. And so I, I went down early and I sat with my mom and dad and I made amends and, uh, and, and it was, it was good. I mean, it was, I was able to make amends, pay them the money I owed them. I was able to, um, have a conversation about Alcoholics Anonymous. I gave my dad a book and I'm going to tell you everything about my relationship with my mom and dad changed on a dime. And uh, I began to call my mom and dad every day and it just blossomed into this unbelievable adventure um, with my parents. And, uh, you know, I remember being a few years later, sitting with my dad on the back porch and he's saying to me, you know, Cliff, a, uh, a dad couldn't be any more proud of a son than I am with, of you. And uh, I don't know, gosh, how old I was. I was probably 43, 44. And, you know, for some reason, I had been waiting to hear that uh, my whole life. And uh, it was just this, you know, these unbelievable moments we have because of this process. You know, these unbelievable moments because I'm willing to take direction because I'm willing to do the things necessary in Alcoholics Anonymous. So um, I'm really grateful for that because a few years later, my dad got sick and uh, he was going to Dallas and he asked me to go with him to go to come down and spend the weekend with him. And I did that. And uh, uh It was the last weekend I had with my dad and he passed away while I was there with him. And it was just this, I just, it was this unbelievable spiritual weekend with him um, that if I would have tried to write it up, I'd have missed the whole thing. But because I was willing to take direction and do the things that uh, are necessary, it just was this unbelievable spiritual experience with my dad and, and the amends and him passing. And, and so, you know, I'm just grateful for all that. I'm grateful that I had good direction. I'm glad that, uh, I got to be a part of all that, uh, with him. That was an absolutely, uh, touching story, uh, and a story of redemption, if you will, regarding your dad. Mm. Um, I, uh, I I don't want to go into mine. I had a very similar situation. I, I don't want to go into it in detail. I should say, right, but right. I had a very yeah, yeah, 
I had a very similar situation where my mom actually passed in front of me and we had had many years apart from each other and went into that some other time. But let's talk a little bit more about you, Cliff. So uh, what other sort of amends uh, come to mind for you that you had to make during this period of time and maybe even in the following years? Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, I'm a guy because of because I'm so self-absorbed, so self into self. You know, one of the things I always, you know, that idea we talk about, I'm an egomaniac with inferiority complex. I mean, I become a lawyer, but I'm like a lawyer with a, always have a chip on my shoulder. I'm never good enough. And and I and I have this belief that all those bar people, I just need to go do what I do and show them. You know, I don't do any of that stuff. It's all politics and they all think they're better than me. Now, none of them has ever, nobody's ever treated me any other way than gracious, but I believe that to be true. It doesn't matter what you tell me. I know, I know you're talking about it. I know. I know you're talking about me and it's all bad. So I get sober and I've been sober, I don't know, maybe six months. And I get a call from uh, the executive director of the Bar Association. It was a classmate of mine. And so, Cliff, uh, we want you to be on the lawyer. We hear you're doing good, and we want you to be on the lawyer's help and lawyer's committee. And I said, well, I need, to, I, need to, I need to think about that. And so I called Don, and, of course, I tell him, you know, that, you know about them. And that, of course, there's no way I'm ever going to do that because, you know. And he just li- – Don was so good. He would just listen patiently, and then, and then he would tell me how I was wrong, and it was great. And, and uh, he said, you know, you owe, you owe. And uh, he said, this is a way you can make up for all those things that you've said about all those people, about the association, about your profession. You know, you've had this chip on your shoulder your whole life. Now you go be a service to them. And, you know, one of the things I've been blessed with is I've always followed sponsorship direction. I've never balked. I've just said, well, you're wrong this time, but I'll go do it (laughs) to myself. I wouldn't say it out loud. (laughs) And uh, so I did. I started going and doing that. And, uh, you know, what happened was, is that I began to be a service to my profession for fun and for free. And, uh, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, some lawyers who became really good friends of mine, several who I've sponsored. You know, I remember taking a, a guy one time, picking him up at his apartment, 12 step and him, taking him to treatment. I got home. His wife called me. He said, I thought you took him to treatment. I said, I did. He said, well, he's already back home. Hell, he beat me home. I mean, he ran off after I left. And, you know, just have all, like we all do, we have all these experiences and uh, uh, with people. But about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, the Bar Association called and said, hey, would you be willing to go share your story at uh, we have this conference? It's about 1,200 lawyers. It's called the solo and small firm conferences in the summer. And it's one thing, you know, to have a conversation with you. It's one thing to go talk at AA group. It's a whole different deal to stand up in front of your peers and just become vulnerable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, I didn't want to do that. And by this time, I'm sponsored by Don's passed away. I'm sponsored by somebody else, but I know what he, I know what Don's saying, but I ask anyway. And they said, no, that's, you know, that's just part of the deal, man. If that's, if that's what they want you to do. Cause I, I told Jimmy about, you know, my, my next sponsor. I told him about what, uh, 
Don had get instructed me to do. So he was like, this is just continuation of that, man. And so I went and did that. And, and, uh, I got all this positive response from people, people, you know, who, um, unexpectedly, uh, and then I eventually turned and, and served as chairman of that committee. Uh, and then about two years ago, I got a call from the bar president and said, uh, Hey Cliff, are you coming to the bar convention? And I said, well, I always go, I work the desk, you know, and he said, yeah, yeah, but are you coming to the luncheon? I said, no, I usually don't do that. I just usually come and work the desk and let everybody else go do that. You know, I don't mind working the desk and let everybody go do. He said, well, I really would like for you to come this year. Uh, He said, I'll have a ticket for you at the front desk. And I said, okay, well, I'll come. And so I told the guys, I say, I can't work at noon. They've asked me to come this lunch. And so I'll go. And uh, the president of the bar gives uh, every year, he gives two awards for the uh, it's the president's award for distinguished service to the bar association. And uh, he starts talking about somebody and then he calls my name and I'm as shocked as anybody that I've, that I've, that he is bestowing on me uh, this uh, award for distinguished service to the bar association that I have uh, defiled, <laughs> even though it's the way I've made my living now for almost forty years. And uh, you know they think uh, leaving your house on a Thursday and driving two hundred miles to go see somebody. And coming home, uh, trying to make a 12th, they think that's a big deal. But, you know, to us, it's just Thursday. And and, uh, I was almost embarrassed uh, because, you know, I've been taught that we don't uh, don't need special recognition for what we do. But uh, it was explained to me by my sponsor that uh, it was just uh, that they think it's something. And that they can think it's something, but I don't get to think it's something. And so, you know, it's kind of a full circle story that I just, uh, I knew I owed, I owed through service. I owed just to go and be the best member I could be. And, uh, you know, through that, I was able to be a service to, uh, you know, when they talk about being put back in the stream of life. Um. I really believe that's what happens to us. We get put back in our rightful place where we would have been before the darkness of alcoholism takes us out. And, um, you know, it was such a uh, uh, honor and privilege, Uh, even though I was somewhat embarrassed, it was an honor and privilege to think back to uh, that early sobriety when Don said, you owe, uh, this was not what I expected. I'll just say that. And, uh, but I am grateful for that. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's the story of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the story of, are you, how free do you want to be? And, you know, uh, all that harbor of how I, the perspective, you know, it's the perspective, how I might see myself, how I see them, you know, it's a 180 from the way when I first 
<laughs> when I was 21 years old and sworn in. And today at 63, on a look back, it's been just this incredible journey. Oh, I love that, Cliff. I love that. That's, uh, that's some touching stuff there. And I could tell you are still reliving it many years later in a very joyful way as, as I yes. hear people say all the time, I'm not, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm alive. Yeah, truly. And grateful, just incredibly grateful. Um, so, you know, uh, and then I had a bunch of, uh, I had all these federal judges I had to go make amends with. And, uh, uh, you know, and I did that. I set up appointments with them and they were all over Oklahoma and I had to make appointments. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, their, their staff's pretty nosy. Why do you want to see them? Cause you, <laughs> you just don't walk in and see a federal judge. I mean, it's the closest thing we have to a, a king or a queen in this country. You know, you're appointed for life. I mean, you just can't get rid of them for God's sakes. I mean, and, uh, but I was able to do that. I was able to go sit down with them. And, you know, what's happened to that is like what's happened to everything else in my life is that, I was able to sit down with those people and tell them, you know, because I wouldn't show up for court. I mean, people would have to cover for me. And they basically lied. Other people lied for me. And I had to go and just own all that. And, you know, that's the kind of deal where they you just tell a, you just tell a sitting federal judge, look, judge, basically we lied to you. And that's why that U.S. Marshal's out there. They said, well, look, maybe you just need to go spend a weekend and think about that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Right now. I mean, they just call the marshal. They just take you off. And then Monday, we'll talk about it. Uh, but to a person, when I talk to them about, you know, what, what do I need to do to make this right? What do I need to do to, you know, I've disrespected this court. I've disrespected you. What do I need to do to make this right? I'm willing to do whatever you say. And to a person, they all said almost identically the same thing. We just wanted, We just want you to be better. We just want you to be better. And uh, I'm going to tell you, in, in almost, I'm going to say 80% of those cases, when I left that office, I had that federal judge's personal cell phone number, yeah. personal cell phone number that said, listen, if you ever need anything, call me here on this number, call my cell phone. And of course, I gave them mine as well. They wanted mine. And um, what has happened to me over the last 21 years is from time to time, I would get a call from those judges and say, you know, Cliff, there was somebody in my courtroom today. I think you might can help. Right. And, you know, again, um, the circle gets completed and I get free. I get free and I'm able to live in the moment and I'm able to, I'm able to be the person I believe or I'm on the path to be the person, continue to be on the path to be the person that God always intended me to be. You know, I serve on the rules committee on my, I'm a bankruptcy lawyer and I serve on my, on the local, the Western district of Oklahoma, uh, our, our rules committee. And, uh, the two bankruptcy judges we have now, one of their, one of them husband used to work for me who was, who lived through that whole mess of my crashing. And the other one was when I was in law school, I, one of my jobs was to teach. Uh, my senior year, I taught business law to the undergraduates. And she, one of those judges was in my class. So I've known these people practically their whole legal career before. 
And, you know, I've even though they weren't directly impacted, they were impacted by my alcoholism. And I've had a chance to be sit down with them. And they, one of them just called me this last week and said, Cliff, I think there's somebody I think you can help. And uh, what a gift. What a gift that is. Oh, I love it. I love it. Cliff, I think that's a that's a wonderful ending point for this episode. Yeah, You're the man. I love uh, you, brother. <laughs> I love you too. For those of you listening out there, um, Cliff and I are trying to work on getting him to Dallas, uh, him and Lori, to Dallas mm-hmm. for a, a Sober Speak Live event. We want to have a workshop with them. And I don't know, there, there's particulars to be worked out, but uh, I would I would love to let people uh, meet you in person. And, oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I think it's great. I, I think it's if, great. If God's supposed to have us in Dallas, you know where we'll be? Dallas. In Dallas. <laughs> I love, love it. We'll be in Dallas. That's it. <laughs> I'm grateful for you, man. I'm grateful for you too. God bless, brother. God bless. Okay, here is uh, page 164 from the big book to close us out. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. That's uh, basically what we were just talking about. Clear away the wreckage of your past. That's also what we were addressing there. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Cliff G., my friend, I love you. Love you too, brother. (sighs) And And this good life. Yeah, this is a good life. And this good life. And, and this good life. That's and right. And this good life. I'll say, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, brother. Love you. Cliff G., you are out of this world. Uh, I'm sure we will be talking soon. Uh, what a wonderful episode. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to spend it with me. I know you are in high demand within the uh, AA community, and uh, the fact that you spend some time with me is just heartwarming. Remember now, we do not want you sharing your gossip, uh, but We would love for you to pause your device and share this with a friend or family member. It, the episode, may be just what they need today. All right, so we have uh, uh, an update here. Uh, Mike writes in, and Mike is the gentleman that has been so gracious to monitor a... Uh, a physical P.O. box for us in Tempe, Arizona. And uh, he says, hey, John, uh, the snail the snail mail, he calls it the snail mail update. He says, the snail mail is slowly growing. This week, I want to give a shout out to April G. in Niantic, Connecticut. Thanks for writing in. To all those on the inside, keep the faith, Mike says. Work the steps and watch life change. Until next time, peace and blessings, Mike. And so this is the letter that April wrote in. Uh, You'll have to forgive me. It's a the way it's printed here, it's blurry on my end. So if I stumble a little, it's about me and how this is printed. But it says, uh, um, Mike at Soberspeak. Hey, 
I heard you on the podcast today, and I wanted to let you know that it touched my heart. I'm currently incarcerated at Niantic um, Correctional Facility, Correctional Institute in Connecticut. Um with, uh, I think it says for 18 months, with not much to keep me occupied. I am thankful to have my tablet uh, to pay for the time and the free podcasts I get to listen to. I went into the addiction category today because I struggle with a crack uh, addiction uh, on on the outside and in no way want to return back to that life when I get out of here. So much of my financial problems are due to my drug addiction. I stay awake worrying most nights about what's going to happen to me when I do leave and what's going to happen when I'm offered that bit of drug. With the Lord on my side and a strong will, I pray I can just easily walk away from it. I I do appreciate you leaving your address, and and so I decided to write to you. And I greatly appreciate the podcast also. Thank you, April G. Um, And then she says all reading materials would be appreciated too. Um, So... April, we hear you. We, we're out here. God bless you. Thank you for writing to Mike. Um, and my goodness, keep the faith um, and uh, just take it a day at a time. But I just wanted to put that out there, April, because I know you're not the only one listening to this uh, that is going to benefit from your writing. There are others going through the same sort of struggles. But thank you, April, for writing in. God bless you. Joe writes in, and Joe says, Hi, John. Seven years sober, finding peace and tranquility uh, after doing the 12-step program for the third time. I've been out there for 40 years with many character defects, but once I got the courage and willingness to change, I find emotional sobriety. My life is good today, and the spiritual program gives me a daily reprieve. reprieve. I'm living in Wexford, Ireland. Well, congratulations on that, Joe. I'm glad you're on the right path. And uh, Ireland, as Bill C. calls it, the the birthplace of alcoholism. <laughs> We're glad you're listening all over there. Oh, by the way, I wanted to also let you know. So I read that that letter a second ago from April, and uh, but I didn't read the address yet. I don't think so. Uh, if there are others out there, we're going to kind of test drive this through the end of the year. But if there are others out there that want to write physical letters, uh, it is Soberspeak at 1962 East Apache Boulevard, P.O. Box 7925 in Tempe, Arizona, 85281. I'll say that again. Soberspeak at 1962 East Apache Boulevard, P.O. Box 7925, Tempe, Arizona, 85281. Um, Alan writes in, and Alan says, Hello, John M. Alan, Alan A. here from Huntsville, Alabama. I'm glad to be on this side of the fence 
Uh, he was incarcerated and now he's writing and he says, and I'm finally able to communicate with you, John. I am an old AA retread having been in and out of the rooms for over 30 years. I was first introduced to AA through a 28 day program at the age of 22 and I am now 60. My sobriety date is July 7th, 2020. I have known since the early 90s that God and AA are the answer for me, but I have been an example that time away from drink changes nothing if I decide to drink and reestablish insanity. It's a good way to put that, Alan. He says, I relapsed in 2018 after becoming engaged to a lady that I had previously known in detox, and then he puts in parentheses, not recommended. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a little bit funny, right? <laughs> We all kind of strap on our wacko magnets when we get to detox and see if we can find a mate there. <laughs> happens all the time. Anyway, he says, I relapsed and she followed behind and that was the beginning of a long, dark journey that ended me back in prison and wanting to end it all. I was just released September 26 after spending four years and one month incarcerated. While in prison, although without meetings, I came across AA literature on a state-supplied tablet uh, that I rented monthly. Once again, I became a student of, step, uh, of the Step 11. I had access to different podcasts that the prison allowed us uh, to listen to, and that's where I came across Sober Speak. Here I am going to meetings again and looking for a sponsor. My actual freedom started over three years ago after my last drink. My release from prison is allowing me again to be part of a fellowship with people like you, John, who are part of the solution. There was no recovery where I was at, although not much alcohol was available. People were dying weekly from fentanyl overdoses and drugs were rampant. I would have to say Charlie P is one of my favorite speakers. It hurt me when I learned that he had passed away. I just found out by coming up to date on the podcast a week or two before I left prison. Since I've been out and attending meetings, I continue to listen to Sober Speak. Thank you for a job well done getting the message out there to people wanting recovery but are not able to make meetings. I would love to correspond with any of your listeners that I might share experience, strength, and hope with that have been in prison or is in prison or possibly heading to prison. I know it helps to have someone to correspond with because a gentleman in New York wrote me through an Alcoholics Anonymous Corrections Correspondence Service while I was in, and in big capital letters, it helped. You were free to publish my email address if you would like. So Alan has given me his email address, but I don't feel comfortable uh, publishing that 
right now. I maybe will eventually, but if you want to get in touch with Alan, just send me an email to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and uh, hopefully I can get you in touch with Alan. And uh, he has volunteered also to communicate with people via email, uh, if need be. Anyway, he says, thanks again, double A. And he's got a cell phone. Double A is like Alan A is his name. So he calls himself Double A, which I absolutely love. Well, thank you, Double A from Studio AA here. Uh, thank you, Mr. Double A. I appreciate you. Adrian writes in. And I'm sorry, every time I hear that word, I go back to that rocky scene where it's going, Adrian! But nonetheless, Adrian writes in and he says, uh, the, the title is Chris S. Step 3 versus God versus Let Go. And he's talking about Chris S.'s uh, episode on Step 3 uh, that he was listening to. And he says, hey, John, I just listened to the latest episode about Step 3 with Chris S. And also noticed your questions about toxic relations, which is my current topic since some weeks. Um, I do not know if it helps you or not uh, what I'm going to share, but maybe you, you can identify with something. Uh, some background information. I am coming from a dysfunctional family with a lot of abuse from my mother, physical, emotional, punishments, criticism, spiritual, and many, many others. So I do not wonder why I choose alcohol to fill, why I chose alcohol to fill the void. The result was a personality change between other uh, was a personality change between other with a total lack of love and compassion. I do not know what is love because I was never loved during my childhood and adult period. I felt only rejection and emotional insecurity. To make it short, during this time, I got married with someone who is coming from an alcoholic family. Back to our current day, last week on the 3rd, I celebrated my AA birthday by the grace of God. It's the fourth one, but bro, I'm struggling with my marriage a lot. Well, first of all, congratulations. I really, uh, that's great. Yeah, four, four years. I know, I know you've written in several times. It's hard to believe it's been four years that uh, you are sober now. That's great. He says, the point is, is that my wife pushes exactly the same buttons as my mother did, like criticism, not good enough, comparing me with the others, and that's toxic for me. As I talk to her, I'm sure that she's not aware about this, so nothing personal with me. There is, there is a codependency going on here. And all and all codependent cup as all, as with all codependent couples, she is the narcissist and I am the co-narcissist. For a long time, I fed her needs. I simply arbitrated around her, checking oh, what to do to make her happy, what she needs, how I can fix her issues. And during that time, I neglected myself. I was alcoholic, trying to hide my disease. She accepted this by having full control. Anyway, during my sober time, I woke up not in a loving and healthy relationship. I woke up with a wife who behaves exactly like my mother, and that triggers a lot of memories for me and pain. 
please remember, John, that I am not a saint, so I don't really want to put everything on her, but I shared my feelings. I made myself vulnerable, but she's like a rock, simply doesn't listen. She's denying everything. I would say that she's a perfect candidate for step three. We've been to couples therapy. Uh, she was in Allen on once. She says that she's okay. My problem uh, uh, is... Uh, blah, blah, blah. My problem is that I am not capable to react normally as an adult, uh, mature man. I simply isolate myself. I don't speak. I ignore and I dive in the big resentment. It's like every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. And this is true. Uh, it is something very wrong with me. So I can't really say that it's something else that I can do. Therefore, I did not uh, want, uh, I did what a good recovered alcoholic is doing. I turned it over to God and I wait for guidance. And this brought me to the start of the second 12-step program. Oh, Codependence Anonymous, good. Which fits into my current problems. I may have only one advice, not suggestion, he puts in parentheses, for your listeners who are, who are parents. Don't treat your children badly. Don't abuse them emotionally, spiritually. They are not here to fulfill our expectations. My mother did this, and I lived in survival mode, and I look at what struggles I have now because I only knew to please and agree with her, and I didn't care about my feelings and about me as a person. I don't know if this helps you or not, but... uh, uh, I don't know if this has to be read on the podcast. Well, we just did that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't know uh, if this has to be read on the podcast, but I told him I was going to read it on the podcast. But he says, but, but how Chris S. described how to get the mo, how to get out of the toxic relations is great. Just being kind and polite and wishing the best. It's the mature way. I agree with that. Uh, I remember about something in one of your episodes, you shared something about your dog. (laughs) John, my friend, I have a dog as well, and it's a pain (laughs) in the ass. (laughs) Maybe in the next email, I will come back with details if you are interested. For me, step three is a key step to having a balanced life uh, and being on God's team uh, is such a privilege. Not many people are in this secret club. I wish you all the best, my friend. I think about you. I listen to your podcast daily, maybe some episodes several times. And again, thanks for your service and take care, bro. God bless you, my friend. Adrian, what Adrian, you uh, I'm sure you're sharing a sentiment that many, many people can relate to. Uh, I'm not going to really give advice, but I can tell you that I've seen it, what you're describing almost to a T many, many times over. Sometimes people, sometimes couples get through it and sometimes they don't. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the truth of it. And uh, all you can do from my perspective, if it were me, I would just take care of my part, do what I can to make myself healthy and, um, move on down the road. I mean, not move out of like the relationship, but just, you know, just kind of keep moving. 
Anyway, that, my friends, is Uno Mas episode of Sober Speak, uh, episode number 315. As I always say, keep coming back. It darn sure works if you work it. May God bless you and keep you until then. I do take this one week at a time. I hope to be back next week. Uh, if not, hey, it's been nice knowing you, right? <laughs> but if I'm back, fantastic. Anyway, uh, love to you guys. Uh, have a, for those of you who are alcoholics, have a safe and sober day or night whenever you're listening to this. And for the rest of you, uh, keep on keeping on. <laughs>